All right, so you're about to hear my asset management presentation from the multifamily live event uh, back in March is where I dive into the nitty gritty about what is asset management, how it stands alone from property management, how you can use this on your properties to get the maximum out of it to improve your income and moderate your expenses. Check it out. Welcome to Multifamily Live. I'm Kimi Yarusi. And I'm Jason Yarusi. Our mission is to help you unlock your full potential as a multifamily real estate investor. So you can do more deals, bigger deals, with less stress, keep more profit, and free up your time. Multifamily doesn't have to be a mystery. It's time to go live. So I want to welcome to the stage my husband, Jason. All right. Hey, everyone. Thank you for that. It's going to be hard to follow that up, but... All right, everyone. So we spoke yesterday. I'm going to move back here because the height, you know, I get everything we got here, but we're psyched to talk to you about asset management today. So many times, I just want you to imagine uh, you put in all this work, right? And let's, let's equate this with baseball. Imagine you put in all this work and you find yourself getting up and you get to the point you're in the majors and you walk up to the plate and you're there, you're ready to bat. And then you just walk off. Well, lots of times all we hear about is actually people getting to the point of closing a deal. And that's a huge accomplishment, it's a huge thing. But what happens after that is almost 95, sometimes more percent of your investment, right? It's, it's how you treat that investment, how you handle that investment so you can make it a success, make it something that's going to be potentially the best thing ever, not only for you, but your investors. So we're gonna to talk to you today about the top ways to find income and also, really reduce your expenses so you can make your property not only just something that's going to be just a home run, but stand out from other investments out there. All right, so here we go. Again, I'm Jason Yarusi. We spoke a bit yesterday. That was my beautiful wife uh, talking me up. We're very uh, dear and uh, dear to our hearts, bulldogs. We, we have them in our family along with our little kiddos here. But part of asset management is really understanding how you can look at your property and make it the dynamic property that it's meant to be. So many times the focus is, what can we do with rents? What can we do just to increase rents, increase rents, increase rents? Today, we're going to talk about, yes, yeah, sure, we, we can do that. But let's look at all the other pieces of the puzzle that can make this investment just a massive success. So what is asset management? Asset management monitors the economic and operating performance of the property. You're creating, overseeing, and monitoring the workflow of the property, and you're monitoring the management company. So your point here is understanding to develop the role, the repositioning plan for this property, and then help the team implement this plan. You oversee the process of the property from acquisition to disposition. So this can be the owner operator, but it also can be a role you can fill as part of a team, right? So you may be part of a team where you are not the owner of the property, but this can be a role you can fill and a role you can grow into. And this is one of the best ways to learn the ins and outs of apartment building is being boots in the ground, understanding the process and understanding the formula to make this a success. So you're gonna aim to achieve the goals and objectives of the owners, which may be yourself and others, and the investors, which may be your partners and also maybe your limited partners. So this, of course, is not property management. This property management is a whole separate thing. Property management handles the day-to-day -day operation of the property, works to achieve the goals and plans of the owner, and works with asset management to provide guidance and plan accordingly. So this is where it's important, right? Is that when you're partnering and finding the property management company to work with, you want them to understand your plan. You also want their feedback. 
to say, okay, they believe in this plan, they feel it can work, or maybe they have recommendations. So it's very important to have this symbiotic relationship with property management company. Your focus overall is going to say, here is our plan. And then our plan, can this be implemented in your advice effectively? Now, there's two parts here. Focusing with the property management company, you wanna make sure this is the right property management company for your property. Ultimately, if we're focused on 100 unit B assets in certain markets and a property management company in that area is focused on new construction or focused on single family homes, it's probably not the right fit. We don't want a company that's gonna have to figure out the process to work with us. We wanna have a team, a property management company to work with that can implement the process and we're just really a speed bump walking into already effective system. So here are some of the roles and some of the activities you take on for asset management. It's the property inspections. It's income and expense certification. You wanna understand what is actually driving the revenue and of course, what is detracting from the revenue. Budgeting, the takeover plan, now, here's what's important. This is a plan that comes in a process way before. You're gonna look at underwriting the deal, understanding where you can find value and what that plan is gonna to take to look like to implement it. One thing that I find um, very routinely that I see happen is that many times we, we assume that a plan can be implemented too quickly. So take into account you have a property, it's a 100 unit property and your goal is potentially will go to the rents that rents are under market $100. And the assumption is that that year one, you can take on $100 rent bumps and you'll capture all rent across all units. However, we have to take into account the few things. Well, their leases. When will the leases expire? Terms. Once they do expire, how quickly can a term be done? And how big is our team? How many terms can be done in total? How long will that term take? And then also the leasing on the back end, how quickly can that lease take? So effectively, if you're talking 100 units across an apartment complex, that's about eight units uh, that would be turned a month. So if effectively, if that did happen, can the area take on eight new units that are going to be at that new market rent? So you always wanna look at those points to understand what your plan is doing and the impact it will have on the area, not only the property, but the area. Can you, can you basically take on what's going to be ahead of you? Next, we're gonna look at really the owner's objectives. Are the owner's objectives for this to be a longer term hold where we may do a certain package of renovations that's going to be more suited to have a long term hold? Or is this a short term hold where our focus is going to be more on repositioning, branding, other marketing act activities that are gonna drive value today but are more surface for when you sell, you're gonna leave meat in the bone for the next owner to come in and find value in that quicker timeline or turnaround. And your loan requirements. When you are looking at your business plan, it's really important to talk with someone like we had Morty on yesterday to really focus on a few things. You wanna make sure the loan that you're putting onto the property is gonna work with your business plan. So of course, we talked about two different things here. If we have a repositioning plan that's going to be a shorter term hold, we probably don't wanna put on long-term debt that's gonna have a large prepayment or yield maintenance penalty that's gonna make it difficult for us to get out of this loan. Another light is that we also don't want to package short-term loan with a longer-term hold. We want to find the best tool in the toolbox in, in terms of loans to work with our property. So as the operations of asset management, we're going to evaluate the performance against the performer. This is something you need to do routinely. You need to be looking not just at the holistic overall approach of the property, 
but how are you performing month and month, quarter and quarter, year in, year out on your property based on your performa? Hopefully you're exceeding it. However, you want to look at your line items in between. The focus cannot just be on the big overall number. It has to be on the line items. If your focus was to keep repairs and maintenance at a certain line item, say $500 a unit, and you're finding it at $1,200 a unit, you have to start asking questions, why? What are the points that are pulling this number so out of whack from the other numbers that are completely filling the box there? Ultimately understanding what is it gonna to take to bring that down and how can you hone in that expense item? Time and budget for construction and reposition. We talked a little bit about this on rent, but we also wanna look at this from the point of the overall construction plan, making sure that we have time for this plan to be completed. So take back that 100 unit apartment building. If a lot of this work is going to happen inside the units, we have to see how this is going to disrupt the tenants. We have multiple trades coming in and out of units. How is this gonna disrupt their day? How, how is this gonna disrupt their life so we can have the least impact on this point? My thing about great asset management simply comes down to these core values. If we can focus on make this a better performing community, a better place to live, that's not only gonna benefit the tenants, it's also going to drive the value of this property, which is going to accelerate the returns of our investors. So again, we started not here with, okay, let's get money out of this. It's starting here. Can we make this a better place to live? And if you look at this, we're gonna get back to a key question at the end of this that's really gonna come into how can we focus on that? How can we make this a better place to live? So we're gonna talk coming up about recommendations on income drivers and also about how to curtail your expenses. And we're also gonna focus on the turn process and facilitating lender needs and requests and those are all part of your operations package. So here are some of the top income drivers that you can focus on. Of course, we have rent increases or just capturing it on basic loss to lease. Uh, two different things, right? So you may have that apartment building currently um, at the state, the classic unit that there exists, the owner is not capitalizing on the market rent. So you could simply go in, take over, release that unit at the new market rent. However, there's also potentially the other opportunity where you can do various upgrades, which could be anything from uh, a different light, lighting package, different paint schemes, uh, different flooring, different uh, cabinet package, different uh, tile or flooring. Those could be other income drivers changing out your appliance package to drive to get additional rent increases. What I look for when I'm looking for rent increases is how much are we spending and what will be that return? We're typically focused on a three to five year return. So I wanna make sure that the amount of rent increase is going to be recaptured based on that three to five year horizon based on our business plan. So we also wanna focus on additional income that is warranted for the submarket. A key point here is it's to be very transparent with your properties versus other properties. We had a property and we'll focus on this property later because I'm going to show you not only these, but how we implement them on a property at the end of this presentation. Is that you want to be very clear on what's happening at the surrounding properties. Usually the largest property in the area is going to drive the ability for you for what you can do on your property. A classic example. We had a property in a sub market where the sub market could have warranted building back tenants for utilities. However, we had a 94 unit property. There was a, an owner with a, about 300 units that did not build back utilities, refused to, he did not want to. So 
if we tried to take our property and do this, it would, it would take our property out of whack with the area and it would counteract against the value of our property. And so what happened was there was another property across the street, 16 units. They tried this. They actually submetered the units and then effectively started building back the tenants. And what they would find is that tenants would pay rent, but they wouldn't pay their utility bill. So they then now paid this rent because they, they, they had to go back and pay, make that utility payment. So it's very important to understand what's happening in that market. We've come into properties before and you can look to see that, wow, you could build back utilities uh, or simply put in a proper application process or we can start adding on pet fees. A lot of these items can always be added to the value of the properties, but you want to see what is the submarket warranted because that's usually going to drive the demand in that area. One thing that's very important for me are contracts for the properties. We want to look at, of course, current contracts in the properties that can be potentially negotiated, that could be landscaping, that could be pest, that could be trash. In certain areas, you can actually look at utility packages to see if you can buy down on your utility costs, depending on state-to-state -state regulations. But on the income side, we're also looking at things. Uh, there's potentially, if you have a very long-term hold, a, a solar contract you could go to. We look at laundry contracts regularly. We have a laundry facility on the property to gain additional income. We also look at cable contracts, how we can add these. These can all be very big drivers. And you heard Chad King spoke, speak about this yesterday. The reason why this can be a big driver is because effectively, if you can add 100 hours to the bottom line for each unit over the year, the value is now driven by the income that you've produced. So that's driven by now 1,200 hours of income that you've added per unit per year over 100 units adds up to about $120,000. You start doing that at a certain cap rate that really can add and stack on a lot. And we'll show you how we did a simple thing that added over $350,000 of value to our property a little bit later on. So we're also looking at new value adds warranting additional income, including the, turnit, the tenant process uh, for making turns. What we've tried to do in each of our properties and have done is created a standard template of the turn process. What this done is it's created the lag time between having a unit go vacant having the management company have to go walk the property to get a turn, turn request, then come back to us for approval. We've simply stated, here are the items we want to be uh, removed and replaced. Here's the paint scheme. Here's the flooring scheme. Here's the package for appliances. Go. And what this has done is it's cut down that through line of maybe we have a gap. We start losing a week, losing 10 days between an in and out process for them sending a turn quote, us having to approve it to get that time back. Think about if you've turned, we talked eight units going vacant a month. That would be, if, if that did happen, we would have 96 vacants over a year. If you lose a week for 96 tenants, think of how much value is being lost and additional income you could drive with the property. So we're seeing how can we continually decrease the timeline it takes for us to get to the point of having a vacant unit that can be returned, released, tenant back in there, and is now producing income again. And have to think outside the box. Here's a big question that you should always be asking. How can you increase the income of this property without adding the burden onto the tenant base? Well, that's how you make that community better, right? There's times where you can drive the revenue of the property, but you also want to understand the dynamics and the overall purpose of the property. If the property is one tenant base and your plan is to go in here and raise rents over three or $400 a unit, um, maybe the market does warrant it, but you have to look at the overall rebranding of that property because basically you may change out that entire tenant base. 
So is that reflecting in the vacancies or the downtimes that you're going to have? So seeing the relationship here where you can find your value adds and the impact on tenants, that's going to make your property the massive success it can be. So you should always be asking this question. So additional streams of income. Contracts we talked about a bit uh, should always be looking at a combo of some or both sides. Income, we talked about internet. There's also phone, cable, laundry, a cell tower. So a lot of talks here about cell towers. You have open lots. You can get a cell tower on their points. There are points where you're going to see a lot of ads for 5G right now in a lot of different areas. So I make sure you're talking to your providers. And what comes after 5G, of course, 6G. So look to the future. Look where areas are going, right? So we had 3G, then 4G, then 5G. Of course, 6G is going to come. So when you, if you have a longer term hold and you can think outside the box to get in front of this, you can produce a massive amount of value. And this could be, I, I know people with a uh, cell tower on their property uh, that produces, uh, I think, $12,000 in income a month. So just take that in fact, that's $12,000, right? And beyond the rental, that's just, so $144,000 of additional income from a cell tower, right? So looking at the effect of what this can do to add value to the property. Some expenses we talked about, of course, how we cut down those expenses, pest, landscaping, snow removal, HVAC service, trash, looking at those, that can really help you just add additional value to your property. Rubs, rubs versus implementing utility efficiencies. So rubs is a ratio utility billing system. And it's the way for you if, if this is an all owners paid property where the utilities are usually mastered is that you can bill back a set amount or an amount designated by, by the, uh, the units to the tenants. So there's one way to do that. We talked about where that can come into play and where, like I talked before, where you may come into potential difficulty. But you also have the ex expense side. Could you go in there, change out all the toilets, reduce the, the airflow, basically using an airflow system, uh, change out the, uh, the faucets and shower heads with aerators, and now cut down the water bill that way? So that may actually do more value to your property without the disturbance on your tenant, and you can actually see, uh, see, uh, exceed the same effect that you have and were trying to get to before. So more streams of income, marketing. If no one can find you, you will need to take whatever action it takes to just get the demand to come to your property. The best thing I can do is find an owner, has no website, has no listings, can't find them on apartments.com, can't find them if you Google them, can't find them, right? Because what that means is that there's a value there because if I can just let people know I'm there, I can drive the demand to get people out there and get people to see the property. And then of course, that's gonna increase the value of each of my units. I have three properties with waiting lists right now. And we've done simple things from just creating websites, Facebook ads, creating social media pages, and also a simple, simple little ads on uh, Facebook. Right, and uh, also I think we had one with a apartment.com ad. But doing these simple things, a little bit of revenue, we've been able to get rent bumps uh, anywhere between 55 and $110 on these units. Just simply just creating the perspective, hey, here we are, come find us, right? Instead of having everyone have to search us out, right? So you take that effect, hey, here we are, We're, this is a better community to live in, of course it's gonna be easy for tenants to come in there and want to pay more to live in your property. Be realistic with your tenant base, of course, so you wanna make sure that you're focused right where your tenant base should be. So fees, 
There are fees that, that are warranted by surrounding properties. This could be pet fees, could be proper application fees, could be screening fees. You could do parking fees. You can do trash valet fees. There's a number of different fees that they can do here. We actually have an apartment complex by us that has a, uh, a pet wash station. That's a fee, fee thing. You can take your pets down there and create a pet wash station. So noting what can this area warrant and where can I find that value? All right, so think outside the box. This is one of my favorite ones, add additional units. You come and buy a property, I've done this now on three properties where we've had an office that was a unit and we've been able to build the office into another area and get back that unit. So think about the value that just added there because we've now taken uh, a 93 unit property into a 94, a 57 unit property into a 58 unit property, a 50, uh, 47 unit property into a 48 unit property and find another area where this actually could be reused at the laundry, as, the, uh, as the office. One place we actually took a massively large uh, laundry room that had a storage room next to it, redid the whole thing, made the storage room into a beautiful office. The other one, we had a three bedroom unit that was being used as the office. We cut that down to basically package this so we'd have a, a two bedroom and then a one, year, a one bedroom that was now the office. So finding the value in hidden ways, that's how you're gonna stand out from other owner operators out there who are just looking at the, the key effect to how can we just raise rents. Make a unit into a commercial space if zoned correctly. You can turn uh, basements into storage areas if it's allowed and if it's, if it's uh, permitted. So we've done this to effect where we've actually taken uh, a huge two basements, added in storage units that I think for us cost us something like $2,500 to put up these 15, 20 storage units and we'd get back, uh, really, our, I think we had our money back in the course of eight months on those storage units just by renting them out to tenants because as they continue to stay there, they accumulate more things and they want somewhere to put their things. We've made sheds into storage, we've made garages a, a premium, Trash valet is another thing that you can implement for your property where if someone lives very far from the dumpster, there could be a uh, daily, bi-weekly pickup of trash where simply maintenance or another hired, hired uh, group comes around, picks up the trash and can take it out to the dumpster. Covered parking in areas where it's potentially either very hot, very humid, like a Texas or other, other areas where there's very inclement weather, this can come in really effect for people who want to have the covered parking area. Uh, moving fees. So this is one part of you can do a decoration fee for tenants when they move in and you can couple this with a sure bond instead of having a deposit. And lastly, add amenities. Is your property underserved and you're able to get it at a discount because it does not have an amenity package like some of the surrounding properties? I would look at the cost to add that amenity. What would be the reflection in the income I could drive for it? And then what time would it take me to get my money back? And if I see the value in the driver of that amenity, I will look at eventually putting that in. It could be anything from a playground to a dog park. In some areas, depending on the hold, it might be solar, as we talked about. It might also be the pool, right? So there's many ways that we can add value to a property by just looking at surrounding properties. What do they have that we don't? And do we have the space? And can, can it be implemented effectively to bring that into board? Some of the top expense drivers. Well, we talked a lot on it, management efficiencies, right? Where is our property out of whack when we're buying it? Do we have too many maintenance people? Uh, do we have a ridiculously long-term process? Are we not um, having application fees or a proper screening process? What can be proper management efficiencies we can take back to not only make this a great community to live, but just make this a better business overall? 
what apartment buildings are in general is just a business that we're trying to see where is it underperforming and how can we make this perform better? And if we look at that from that point, just like any business, you can say, okay, well, this is where it's not maximizing on the potential of the property and how can we fix that step? And economies of scale is one of those ways. I talked earlier about a 48 unit and a 58 unit that we brought, where they ended up being side by side. What that allowed is that allowed for us to create economies of scale because the 48 unit and the 58 unit are just a little bit too small to each have a, a full-time leasing person and a full-time maintenance person. But when you combine them, you can now get the economies of scale because you're actually able to hire a proper staff for the property. Where else can you find this economies of scale? And that's why we talk about going large and going after bigger properties because you can find this value. And also, you can drive the lever and drive the bottom line a lot more with these smaller properties. Another one, contract reviews. Looking at your yearly increases from contracts because you may find that some of the contracts uh, for potentially landscaping or pest or others that generally have increases rented in that are driving above market where you may be able to go out and negotiate better rates for a new company to come on board. Utility efficiencies, we talked a little bit on these earlier. And so also green program implementation. This could be anything about planting trees to provide shading for the building that could, of course, cut down utility bills uh, to putting um, insulation in an attic so you can increase the, uh, the overall efficiency of your utilities to uh, foaming out um, water heater piping so you're not losing the heat coming off the water heater. There's many ways that you can gain back. And if you look at that, from an overall point, it may seem small, but most of the times our utility bills are one of the biggest expense items on our property. And if we can find a way to level the playing field there, we can create overall value to the property without having a massive impact to our pocket and also to the tenant base. And last one, tenant training. Um, may, may sound bad, but one of the first things we try and do is implement a tenant training practice when we come into the property. Typically, we're coming to properties that are underperforming for a lot of reasons, but one is that they're just being neglected. So if a tenant has a leaky sink, they may say, you know what, I'm just not going to call because every time I call, I have to make five calls to get someone on the phone. Then I get them on the phone. And then three weeks later, I have to call them again. And four weeks later, I call them again and they never show up. So I'm just, I'm just going to stop calling us. The sink's fine. I'll just let it run. Well, that's, of course, money going right down the drain. So you want to let tenants know that you're there to improve the property. You're there to make this a better property. You're making this a better performing property and you want to get things fixed. You will see massive changes to your property just by that because what will happen, not only will tenants make the call. So if there is an issue, you can fix it where you stop having money go down the drain, but they'll start caring more about the property, right? Because you care, your team cares, the focus cares, the overall approach cares. Tenants want to live in a good place. They want to live somewhere where they can be happy to live. But when they see you doing that too, when you're out there, if you walk out there and pick up trash and do the little things, right? They see that and they see that in you and they follow suit. So making tenants aware that your plan is there for you to stay there, for you to make the best of this property, that's gonna create maximum value that you can't really register uh, from a dollar sign. All right, so want more income? Your biggest hit to your income is the time it takes from going vacant to a time it release and a tenant moving out. I just wanna make this point again, because many times we focus on, okay, hey, the tenant's uh, vacant. Now we gotta figure out what we need to do. And you go back and forth and there's, there's gaps in that time. Timing is the killer, right? It's, it's that silent killer of where value and money is being lost because the drive for you to get to the point of getting that uh, back to an income producing unit is where 
you can add value just there. So make sure you are focusing on that. And that comes from standard procedures with your quoting, churning, marketing, and leasing of your units. So let's put these steps into action. And for some reason, I couldn't get a picture on this part. So we're going to go. And this is the first deal PLA and I and team ever brought. 94 unit, Louisville, Kentucky, closed in May of 2017. 2.3 million purchase. So fun story. Um, let's, let's backtrack that. Owner in his 90s passed away natural causes. Uh, kids now in their 50s and 60s owned the property, lived at a state. We're like, man, this is a headache owning this thing. We don't know why dad owned this thing. They had a price in mind, um, 3.2 million. We went into this property. Um, it was evaluated. We're like, this does not work anywhere close to 3.2 million. Um, it was not on the market. We found this to a property management company. We ended up saying, hey, listen, um, we offered 2.1 million. Uh, not trying to get it, we just said here, here's the reason why it just, it just doesn't work at this number. They came back and countered at 3.2 million. So not, not a great negotiation on our side. We said, thank you very much. And we of course said, went our, went our merry way. Well, that was the end of 2016. What we made note to do is that we would track our properties, track what we offered on, see how they played out so we can make sure that we're underwriting effectively and also where other people are buying it, right? Well, lo and behold, a couple months later, Look back and nothing's really happened. This property is still out there. Asked, uh, uh, you know, the manager, going, hey, anything happened with this property? You see? No. So we said, I think it's worth us making another offer. They said, why not? So we went back in again. And I believe we only raised our offer like $50,000. So we went back in uh, 2.15 million, right? So we're still a pretty, pretty big gap, right? Well, all of a sudden, three hours later, counter back 2.6 million. We're like, whoa, time changes everything. So what is a motivation today for someone may not in fact be their motivation in the future. So understanding what's driving that motivation, what had happened and effectively was they had gotten similar offers to ours because that's what the property was worth. And so when you look back, that's what the property was worth. And they just kept hearing the same offer and the same offer. And so that $3.2 million number that they had in their minds effectively went away because it wasn't realistic and they had just heard it somewhere out there. So, we ended up tracking the property and going back. And where we got, we'll say, lucky is that we did the work to do the follow-up, which you can do too. Because all the other people that offered on that property, you know, the, the two ones, two, whatever it was, effectively forgot about the property and forgot to go back and ask again, is there something here that we can do to come to an agreement? So they come down to 2.6 million, uh, a couple of weeks back and forth on negotiations. And at the end, we just said, hey, listen, guys, this is where our underwriting is. We actually sent it to them. We said, we're not trying to beat you up. We just can't find a way to make it work at your number. And we were able to close it at 2.3 million. So property was massively <laughs> underperforming. We actually had, um, I think her name was Rhonda, who was in the office. Well, Rhonda, this is an area that, that had really a 2% vacancy right now. So all the other properties had 2% vacancy. This property had seven vacant units, I believe, and they were all ready to lease. But I'm like, why can't they lease these units here? Why go in there? And Rhonda, phone's ringing. She's watching Dog the Bounty Hunter. So she doesn't want to pay attention at all. We're doing our inspection. She's watching Dog the Bounty Hunter and wants nothing to do with us. Annoyed we're there because she doesn't want to miss Dog and, and all the bounties he's trying to catch, right? So here we are trying to do our due diligence. And it's very simple to see. Well, why aren't they leasing these units? Well, nobody's picking up the phone. Just pick up the phone. And we found that when we got the property, we never had to market that property because there was so much foot traffic there. All we had to do was just answer the phone. And that was it. And we could lease the units. 
And simply one thing you can do is look at these properties. How are the other properties performing and where can we really add value? Sometimes it's just simply just pick up the phone. Because you may call a property to see, hey, how is this property leasing and not get a call back? Well, that's ways that you can beat the market right there. Other operational efficiencies, we had below market rents. Because of how hard they deemed it to be leasing units, they decided to keep rents very low compared to the market. They were $100 to $125 under market just in the classic units because they thought it was hard to lease these units because they had a poor system in place. So effectively, they, they were having these units that just had value to them because they were just trying to keep units occupied so they wouldn't have to go through the process for the kids to put any money out of their pocket to renovate units just to potentially not be able to lease them for weeks on end. Ex extremely high expenses. This property had uh, three maintenance people for a 94-unit property. Um, it, was, it was actually in really good shape because the owner himself had built the property. However, it had three maintenance people. And we found out what, what they were doing with all their free time. They actually had a wrestling ring down there in the basement. They were, they were doing little wrestling matches. So they weren't even doing the maintenance on the property. They were actually wrestling in the basement. So you can see right now, here, here's our value add. We looked at that and we said, okay, cool. We're going to go in here. We're going to find ways to add value in this property. But it's pretty simple how it is. Make this property have better management efficiencies and pick up the phone. We purchased this with both debt and equity. I believe we raised something like uh, $700,000 or $700,000 and we used a, uh, a Fannie Mae loan. And yeah, so $700,000, see that on the bottom there. The plan in motion, we effectively transitioned new third-party management onto the property. Screened and, uh, screening collection process went into place. Um, we actually turned over 65 units when all said and done, so this would be updated. And we had a repair list that we wanted to accomplish that was between six and 12 month uh, designated repairs. We were able to accelerate that plan and knock that out into five months. So we got to a point of from being a construction project into really pushing the revenue on our project at that five month mark. We created a tenant referral program. What we found is that if tenants live there with their friends, they, they will stay almost three times as long. Again, what was the biggest expense we have across our apartment building? A unit going vacant, time it gets turned, time to get it uh, uh, marketed, time to get it leased. So if we can find good tenants, get them in there, get them refer their friend in there, cut down the, on the turnover we have, what happens? Well, we have a massively successful project because we have great tenants who want a greater community that live with their friends. They're going to stay longer, which is going to cut down our biggest expense driver. Uh, we also implemented a moving fee instead of a deposit that goes directly to our bottom line and installed. Here's the kicker. This was the property that you could not build back utilities because the larger property was driving what was happening in that area. We installed a water savings plan. We talked about tenant training, talking to tenants, saying, hey, we want to come fix things. But we also changed out all the toilets, all the faucets, all the aerators on there, made them into low flush toilets and made this property have a lower water bill. It cut our water bill down just between these two things of making sure tenants knew to call us and utility efficiencies by 30%. That's an increase in the building value at that time of 325,000. Think about how many times if you had a single family flip, you could change a toilet and get $325,000 in value. Just let that resonate. We did nothing to, to, on the tenants right there, right? We didn't ask the tenants for anything from that part. We were able to go in there. I think it cost us $24,000 and the building increase in value was $325,000. I'm sure who, who would like to have $300,000 more in value just by changing our toilets, right? We instituted pet fees. They said that they don't accept pets. Well, all the other properties in the area accepted pets. Here's what we found. We walked around. Seven units had pets, uh, seven units had dogs, one unit had a, had a snake, right? So I said, okay, well, I guess they're having pets already anyway. 
regardless. So we did just what the market warranted. We started billing tenants for pets. We had uh, the Louisville Metro uh, Police Department. We actually made this a better community to live because the surrounding building that was actually owned by the city, well, that was having a problem with uh, a select um, group of tenants that were uh, you know, selling drugs and others. Well, we gave the Metro Police an option to use our vacant unit, which they did to surveillance this property and arrest these people. Th that was great, right? So for me, we had a vacant unit. That's fine. We we're actually turning the unit while they were using it, but they were to collect data to make this a better community to live, right? So that made the tenants who were in that building feel safer and want to stay longer. It also showed that we're care we care and we want them to be there and we want to make this a better place and a better community for them. We put a laundry contract on the building for the two laundry rooms. Here's another point. They had two laundry rooms. None of the surrounding buildings had laundry. One of the laundry rooms was decrepit and the other one was down. So not only could our tenants not use this, but we couldn't maximize the community. So we got both laundry rooms back on board, another revenue stream, and we added, of course, the one that was down, and we opened this up to the, the surrounding tenant base. That was able to increase the revenue again that we had coming back to the property. And like I said, again, coming back, we made this a better building, a safer place to live, and a better community for all. So here's the plan, continued. We increased rents uh, above Performa pretty quickly, after one year, we refinanced the property and returned over 75% of capital to investors well ahead of, of schedule. And we sold the property actually two and a half years later and, and well exceeded our expectations for investors. Holding period was 32 months, increase of valuation was 73% and our net IRR to investors was 35%. What had happened in this time is that that large property that I kept talking about that was driving the area, well, lo and behold, that owner had had it forever, goes and sells. We never thought that was happen that happened, and he goes and sells the property, and another group comes in here, buys that property, and starts doing these increases that it would even add to our value of our property. So we're able to capture on the path of progress of the area, go in there into effect, and really just sell this and beat return for our investors, and leave the property as a great community for those tenants to live. So all these things you can do, each of these things you can find in a property, and sometimes you're not gonna get them all, sometimes you may get a little bit, sometimes you might get maybe a few in between. But when you go at your property, make sure it's not just about the rents, it's not just about where are rents, where are all the other pieces that you can make for this property to perform better? Just like any business, right? So whether it was a car wash, a, an amusement park, a restaurant, where can you find the value back in your apartment community? Because when you can do that, and you can look at this, you're gonna win in this business, and I know each and every you can do this. So. We have a great lineup of speakers coming up following this here, and we're really excited for just how yesterday was and how we're gonna lead into these next couple of speakers here. But leave the point here that all these steps that you've heard from these great speakers over the last few, yesterday and today, are action steps that you can build into your process, build into your routine to take action. And we love helping you to take these steps going forward. So in a few minutes, we're going to have Bill Allen come back on board here. He's going to help us move into effect here. And how am I doing on time? Pretty good? Cool. Cool. So we will be moving in that process here. And do we have any questions that you want to bring up here? Cool. Give us one sec. We'll take that in effect. Yep. Yes, sir. All right, yeah, I, I do have, I, I, got a, I got one question that I want to ask you, Jason, that came from the audience. It's, they said, uh, who do you contact to add a cell tower? There's a lot of talk about cell towers and adding billboards and stuff when you were doing it. Yep. So who do, they, who do they contact to add a cell tower? 
So good question. So uh, there's a number of companies that are actually out there that do this, right? So I think American Cell Tower is one. What you want to do is you want to register on their site so you know that your property could be potentially be targeted, right? So you will not be the driver to say, hey, put a cell tower here. It's going to be based on demand and location. So you want to see what areas are short in demand, potentially on 5G, where are the big implementations of where those areas want to be, where they want to start having those resources. Because if you're in one of those markets, I think like, a, like Atlanta right now is a market like that. They're really trying to be hot and heavy and trying to get more 5G into that market. You can see the parameters of what they're looking for. Um, depending on what you're looking to put in play, if it's, a, if it's a rooftop cell tower, they may be looking for a minimum three stories, flat roofs, and some other things. But understanding what are they looking for to see, because you can build this in when you're starting to underwrite properties. Well, maybe this property fits for that piece. Or there's a uh, piece of barren land that comes with this property. Maybe that area could effectively be used um, for a cell tower. So ultimately, you want to get onto registry for these companies to have your property registered. So when they do have that time come, you can now be a part of the list to say, okay, maybe this is an area they're focusing on and they'll reach out to contact you. Okay, one more question about laundry contacts. So like meaning you buy machines that pay for, uh, they pay for to do the laundry. Like what, how would you set up a laundry? Sure. Like extra income? So believe it or not, there's a lot of companies out there that their sole business is laundry, right? And so their driver is that they offer, and so we had machines on our property. Not great machines, but still, still functional. We've done this a few times. We would go and sell those machines and the laundry company would come in, give us a contract for the property where they provide all new machines, they would take to effect of, they would count all the, the, the coins. We don't have to have guys or maintenance people or other people just counting coins out there. Now, they would offer the new machines. They would fix anything that would happen. So we don't have to now have our maintenance people focus on laundry, which could be a big thing here. They'll come in within 24 hours. And then now in the back end, they'll give us a decorating fee to make the room look better and split the revenue with us. For us, it's a win-win. It takes a lot of the lag time out from our, our team having to figure out a new role, do all these other sidelines that are not their efficiencies, and allows this team to come in here, give us money to make this uh, community or the uh, laundry room look better. So of course, more people are gonna wanna come into it, and they'll handle all of the risk of just focusing on making the units work. All right, I'm gonna take uh, two more of these, and then we'll, you guys can keep dropping your questions in, and we'll do some Q&A with Jason and Peely at the end of the day today. So uh, Danny said, I know you said marketing, do you fully rebrand your properties as well? Did you for the 94 unit? So that one we did not uh, because nobody could find it, right? All we had to do was actually add marketing, right? And so you want to look at your property. We have one right now where we're completely rebranding it because the prior ownership did not take good care of it. So it had a massive amount of bad reviews because of the property stigma. So we want to look at the property and does it need the rebranding? Does it need the uplift? Does it need the facelift? Sometimes it might just be that no one can find the property, so marketing simply could just be adding marketing, adding any kind of brand awareness so people can find you. Awesome, I saw one more. So it said, uh, for the Kentucky case study, after the initial full price counter offer by the owner, did you consider any type of creative financing, seller financing, things like that? No, uh, and sometimes you, 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 you have other people in between and you have to see how you're, you, would I say, how is that going to get reflected to the owner? We were so far away there on that, on that offer there that we were offering a price that we felt good at that we know we could perform at because of the property and the current state of the property. So at certain points, time is the, be the better play. That has happened in the future where we, we have been able to find a way to do a creative strategy with the owner because based on the owner's operations, the debt packages we could get were not going to be very good for the property. So you want to see where's your offer at and you don't want to make it confusing. Um, Creative financing is good, 
when you can have a relationship built and you may have one thing understood that's agreed upon. But when you don't have an agreed upon price and now you're trying to do a creative side on the other side, sometimes you're going to confuse the narrative and that's ultimately going to lead to a no in my opinion. All right, I know I said that was the last one, but another one came in that I want to hear the answer to quickly and then we'll move on. So it said, uh, Atif said, how are you guys handling the eviction moratorium and how has that affected your business? Good, so state by state, right? And that's why we're in a lot of states that have um, very... Uh, pro landlord businesses, right? And so for that, having the effect of know the rules, see that you can work with tenants who need assistance because these states are providing assistance to those tenants in need. So we got very ahead of it, made sure that we were really understanding who are the tenants that, that may be asking for assistance. What is that plan and process? What is that going to take? And we worked very quickly with management company to make sure that this was relayed to those tenants. So it's been something of an interesting process throughout because everybody's learning a process, but we've been able to really, really accelerate in this time because of how quickly we acted and how quickly we said, how can we help the tenants? How can we make this a place that they can perform in and be a better tenant and, and be part of the community? And that's allowed our properties to continue to succeed. Want to learn exactly how we're finding high profit, cash flow ready multifamily properties off market? Want to find out how to run lightning fast syndications to raise all the capital you need for your next multi-million dollar deal? In just a few days, we are breaking down our entire process step by step at a three day event happening June 10th through the 12th called, you guessed it, Multifamily Live. We've done events before, but nothing this massive or this valuable. And for the first time ever, we're going to open the doors and walk you guys through literally every step of what we're doing on our multifamily deals. This is a virtual event, so you don't have to travel or even leave your couch, but spots are limited. Sign up at multifamilyliveevent.com and we'll see you there.